0: IDEs can help people with automated testing. In this episode, Paul Everett and I discuss ways that IDEs can encourage testing and make it easier for everyone, including beginners. We discuss features that exist and are great, as well as those that are missing. The conversation also includes topics around being welcoming to new contributors for both open source and professional projects. Welcome to Testing Code, a podcast about software development, software testing, and Python. Welcome to Testing Code. I am excited to have Paul Everett on today again. I always am bad about looking up what the old numbers were, but I think you've been on the episode before, right? Or the podcast? I've talked... Well, actually, the big thing you and I did was that joint presentation at PyCon, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> How about that? So, I tell me about that. this joint presentation at PyCon. You mean the one where we uh like uh did a presentation together?
1: We were going to do a presentation together. We worked on the material together. You wound up giving it solo just because of the format didn't fit a splitting. And that was your first PyCon talk, right?
0: Yes, it was. So, thanks for that twist uh, half an hour before the uh Talk <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but uh, no hard feelings. But Paul is um, well, who are you, Paul? I'm a developer advocate at JetBrains, uh, primarily PyCharm and WebStorm. Okay, I've been around since Moses was a kid. Yeah, you've been involved with Python for a long time. I am, I'm, I'm kind of old, man. I will dig, I know I've been, had you on, so we'll I'll dig up the show, put it in the sure. show notes later. Developer advocate for PyCharm, I use PyCharm. Every day, mm-hmm. are there more than one developer advocate? Advocate,
1: indeed, we have a team. Some specialize in certain things. We're growing the team, and it's a great gig, great company. You know, you stand at a booth and people come up and say, "We love you," <laughs> and you get paid for that. How's that? That's yeah, pretty that nice. Is nice. Yeah, but yeah, there's a team of us, and uh, our job is to have one foot in the community and one foot in the product, and be the voice of the users and customers at the table when decisions are made. And also to be uh, kind
0: of an educator and
1: a spokesperson.
0: Cool. Well, one of the things I want to educate people on, educate, is this uh, visual testing. The reason why I use, well, one of the reasons why I use PyCharm is because it's got a VIM integration, so Hmm. I didn't have to relearn relearn all my key bindings. The other one was uh, that it does testing well with uh, and it integrates with PyTest. It also does other test frameworks too. But you know who uses right. other test frameworks? So <laughs> you're about to get a bunch of comments. <laughs> Most people that were unit test advocates that I've talked now, there's a few that really have good reasons too, and and I'm fine with that, of course. And yeah. and unit test, I I want to have improved as well. I think that. It, it should mm-hmm. not be a dead project. It should live on as well. But I'm I'm a fan of PyTest. That's really beside the point, I guess. So one of the things we wanted to talk about today, actually the main thing, was uh, what you called visual testing or um, mm-hmm. something. Indeed. I got the idea, I think, after reading your book. Ah. Uh, plug your
1: book a little bit. Your book really got the idea, the joy. I'll say the joy of testing planted in my brain. Ooh, I like that. And as I was fulfilling my role of being an explainer, There was kind of this feeling that IDEs are big tools for professionals on big projects. And there was also a tool that there was kind of a concept that testing is a big workflow for high end people on projects. And in both of those cases, I kind of stepped back as partially reading your book. And I wanted to kind of revisit that and say to myself, well, maybe testing is what entry-level people should do as part of their learning journey in the beginning. And maybe IDEs can help that. And the, I, the thinking was, when I do sessions on debugging, you know how many people out there still use print for debugging?
0: Uh, I'm raising my hand right now. Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> and so there's kind of a similar thing about a visual debugger can make debugging more accessible to people. Because people might fall off the cliff with this arcane command set that they have to do for debugging. And it just feels like a different activity, different workflow. I'll just stay in my editor and sprinkle a print command. What if you could stay in your integrated development environment and have a visual debugger? Same thing for testing. What if there was a visual testing that felt like part of what you were already doing? gave you a visual representation of the aspects of testing and maybe people wouldn't fall off the edge. Maybe testing would become more of a first class beginning part of development. And the other part was the joy of testing. What if testing was fun? What if testing was what you did? Cause it was the most productive way to do the simplest of tasks. Simpler than running something, reloading a browser or 57 other things. You just sit in the test tool and then hopefully the next thing we'll talk about, auto run, gets you into this mode that is more fun and more productive than the quote unquote quote
0: normal way. Wow. I don't have to convince you of anything. This is awesome. I think that testing is fun. And I was actually I'm surprised that I still have to convince people that it's not. Or convince people yeah, that think it's yeah. not. And yeah, yeah. I really probably ought to hit you up for an introduction to the, my next book because uh, that was great. Your book is the thing that started the thinking for me. Thank you. I want to talk about a lot of the different things, the different reasons why I use, uh, why PyCharm is a good fit. And it's isn't necessarily PyCharm. I think all the things we're going to talk about really kind of have to be supported by any IDE that does that does testing so Indeed. If I'm learning, it is called test first, right? And it is surprising to me that we <laughs> call it test first, but we, or I mean, TDD started out as test first, but we mm-hmm. don't teach testing to people until later, even though we really kind of do teach them testing because we teach people how to, how to run their scripts on the command line or through the run command on a, a debugger or something like that. But why not teach testing? And one of the things I love to do is just that playing part to just play with some code. One of the, the oh, great okay. things about using IDE and PyCharm for, uh, for writing tests is I can write, I don't have to write a script to run a script. I can just write one function, like a little test function. And it can be like two or three lines of code to try out something. And it's got a little run button right next to it. And I just hit run. And that's it. Uh, I can see the output and everything. And before, so before I came to PyCharm, I was using various other editors in the past, but there was a common thing of, I was really shying away from huge IDEs and I liked the command line because command line is really fairly useful. So I'd have like an editor open something that either Vim or something that emulated Vim. And then having another window open with in the directory uh, just a command a bash window or k shell or something where i was in the directory where my tests are so i could run the tests and rerun them so you'd save and then mm-hmm. go back and run and save and run so there's whether good or bad i know i've talked to people that like it or don't like it pycharm is um you don't have to save before you run you can just it's just right. saving all the time i think right. but also when you run you get like the output window pops up or the run window. And mm-hmm. one of the things I like is if I've got multiple windows open, I have to manage where they where they are. And the IDE settings, it still keeps the function that I'm running is still visible, but it sort of shrinks everything up to make room for the run window. It just seems to work great.
1: The point for that is the same experience for me. Being a man of a certain age, let's just say I don't have a lot of empty registers left. And that little bit of context switch looking, moving my eyeballs from the editor over to the command window with the output of the testing tool is kind of enough of a friction that it kind of throws me off a little bit, messes up my flow. And this idea of staying in the flow is really something that appeals to a class of people.
0: Yeah, like the class of people being programmers. Right.
1: Some people like having different tools for different things. The Unix philosophy stuff like that, and the I and
0: IDE is really a put off for yeah. them.
1: But there are benefits to the I and IDE, especially when going into TDD.
0: One of the other things is I am a command line kind of person, and mm-hmm. the all of the like the command line flags and being able to play with that. You haven't hidden it too much. Correct. Yeah. And once you know it's there, you know how to get to it quickly. But there, it would be could be better, but it's pretty darn good. I haven't come across very many things that I can do on the command line that I cannot do by just adding those command line flags to the to the run Indeed. thing. Yeah. So yeah, so how should we go? Uh what do you want to talk about next with this? One of your favorite things is that auto run button. I'm really glad the auto run is there, but I don't really use it much. No. You don't? All right, I think you pitch it to other people sometimes. When I've been standing, well, I think you. it's neat. I think it's neat that it's there, and you because it looks like magic. Yeah. So there's the thought of run. You turn it on, so and you can set up. I like the controls where you can say, you know, don't run right away, but you, there's a time delay or right. something. If you'd save something and things are silent for a little while, it'll 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 run. Uh, you rerun your tests, mm-hmm. and that's pretty cool. That's a fun flow for me. Is to Like zero in on
1: a specific test and then turn on the auto run and set the delay correctly. And then as I type, I don't even have to remember to hit save and my test will rerun after a delay. And that kind of mode is like one less thing for me to think about. But the bigger thing is there's something in the back of my head constantly saying, well, you've typed a whole lot, Paul. What are the odds that your tests are going to run? Yeah. Because you've forgotten to run for about two hours. Yeah. And that's and when it fails, you've got a lot of stack frames to go back over to get back to what you were thinking when it was last working. It's
0: interesting you bring that up because that's that sort of workflow is not just test of development. I mean, TDD mm-hmm. uh, promotes that idea of test bouncing back and forth, but also just running your tests a lot. But that mm-hmm. doesn't. I mean, you can even if you're doing test uh, at the same time or test after or something. Writing a lot of code before you run the tests again, even the the older tests, the regression tests. Once you get used to it, I have that feeling too of like, oh my gosh, I've mm-hmm. I've been coding for like a couple hours or something, and I haven't run the tests. So the <laughs> the stress is that that might be two wasted hours because. I want to have the ability to just roll back right. and say uh and your brain your lizard brain knows you're on thin yeah, ice. Yes. Yeah,
1: definitely. And nobody wants to waste time, so It's a little bit like a branch that goes on too long and you're like this is never going to merge.
0: I did too much. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and you cuz you if everything breaks, you have the choice. Do I roll back and start over or do yeah. I try to fix it? And yep. debug it and stuff. And so those are the choices. Those are either debugging or rolling back. None or essentially throwing away two hours of the work. It, Of course, it isn't throwing it away because you learned a whole bunch in that two hours. And you can re- probably redo it in about 10 minutes. But mm-hmm. it does panic me sometimes. Anyway, mm-hmm. I like that. The thing that I use probably the most that is one of the most frequently used command line flags is dash "-x". But I for running the last or uh, stop on fail, and well, I guess a combination of stop on fail and uh, rerun last failures, and the last fail is something that is a cool feature of pytest. But I don't even really use it the flag that much because I've got the uh, rerun mm-hmm. the failures. That is a I yeah. use that a lot, and that's a brilliant thing. So there's a lot of these. So uh, running the failures or just uh, so when once you run it, you have like the whole tree there. And then I can use that to rerun a particular test or something. I can just right click on it and rerun something. The thing I wish I could do is I could, I wish I could zoom back out again mm. to like, okay, I reran the last failures. Now I want to go back to all of them. And uh, yeah, that'd be cool. Come talk to a supply con about that. <laughs> and then also because I'm a command line thing I'm, and while I'm asking for, for stuff I want. Sure. Is, so the run controls, are not hard Mm -hmm. to get. So I got my run windows at the bottom of the screen. I could go to the top of the screen and I select my run configuration and I can edit it right there. It's not terrible, but it'd be kind of cool if my, the there's a lot of space on the top of the run window. Maybe we could put the flags right there so I can edit them or change them or see what they are. Hmm. All right. So, eh. yeah, because uh, there are too many people, unfortunately, who don't know
1: that those flags are actually, Flaggable, and uh you make a good point about how to surface it that would be a pretty cool way to do that
0: and it's different than other things i mean it's a it's i gotta say i've that was one of the, my things with uh, visual studio code is the flags are hard to get to and i don't even mm. know if you can set them anywhere They're they recommend the last time i checked they were recommending putting it in in your uh PyTest.any file.
1: I was going to say PyTest.any. And uh, right.
0: and yes, that's what you should do for stuff you're using all the time. But if, I mean, we have, uh, you know, if we're working, working on a project, the any file is checked in and it's something that we're all using and sharing mm-hmm. with a team. So if I want to add some extra flags to zoom in on a, like on a marker or uh, use a keyword or something. Everybody's going to get yeah. it. Yeah. So, and then I have to remember to not check that stuff in because, then my te- mm-hmm. my test larger test suite might not run the right stuff. Uh, so, yeah, right. so that's not cool. Right. Yeah, what else?
1: Just some of the basics like um a test fails, how quickly can I get to it? And I you know, IDEs in general are pretty good at making a putting it somewhere in the visual UI to double click on something and jump straight to the line that failed.
0: Yeah. And I can't do that with uh, the PyTest output directly in another window. Mm-hmm. But watching mm-hmm. the test failures, I can either – so there's lots of ways to get to it, right? I can just – I can rerun the failure. Yep. or I can double-click on the little tree. The left-hand yeah, the side. Left-hand, I don't the know tree, what that's called. You know. but, or there's links within the output window as well. So yep. all yes. sorts of places you can get to it. That seems like a
1: simple thing, but then again, for civilians – people who aren't yet committed to TDD, that can be a very important point. It speeds up your resolution of test failures and reduces the friction and keeps you in the flow and all those kinds of things. And one that I use a lot, I wonder if you do or not, but um, I fiddle with, you know, when I'm trying to zero in on some concept and unload my brain, I don't want to run all my tests. And we have different ways like gutter icons or context menus to run just this test, all the tests if, if you've got a test class or in the module or in a directory or a double parent directory or whatever. And I wind up zooming in and sitting there while I'm focusing on something.
0: Yeah, I mean, it definitely, I do too. Um, sometimes if it's a the two levels I'm mostly at, I guess I'm at all over the place, is either just rerunning one function or one parameterization of a function. Oh, okay. Um, That's hard. That's actually kind of hard to get to. I have to, just to be honest, Hmm. you got to run the parameterizations first.
1: Oh, okay. That's what you were talking about. Yeah, okay. Like if you could
0: right click in the tuple and be able to run just this, Yeah. I mean, it doesn't even need to be the whole thing, the whole suite, but Mm -hmm. if I was, so if I'm looking at my test right now or some tests and on the, in the gutter, Mm -hmm. there's a little green run button with run test. When I click on it, I get a whole bunch of options. I can debug it. I can run with coverage. I love all of that. Mm -hmm. I can profile it. These are so easy and we'll actually talk about some of these a little later. Okay. But yeah, it would be. And that's a cool. It would place be to kind of it. cool to be able to say, uh, run an individual parameterization or something. I don't know. How, that's I don't yeah. know how to say yeah. that, but because I've got hunts, sometimes we've got dozens. We've got a lot, and they take a while. You had an episode where there was a discussion about the word parameterize, right? <laughs> I don't know. Have we? Uh, probably. Yeah. you did. So yeah. So how do you say it? Parameterize. Do you say it the British way then? Parameterize. Prematurize. I try to leave out the "tur" I just say tries. I, I, I do as well, but no, I didn't before PyTest. <laughs> I never saw the damn word before <laughs> PyTest. <pie> <laughs> so um, I had to train myself, and I do it so that I try to spell it correctly. And I'm annoyed that everything yeah. I write in will tell me that it's spelled wrong. Well, we ought to complete it for you, baby. So yeah, there you yeah. go. Okay, so running, <laughs> I zoom in, and I'll zoom out. It's really whatever I'm working on. If I'm working on a localized fixture, yeah, right. I'm going to be lo- looking at maybe running a few tests within True. a module, True. or you can zoom out to just run a run a file or run a, a directory. Because we, I mean, with a big test suite, you're going to probably split them up into directories of subsystems or something. So running mm-hmm. uh, running a subdirectory is good, and then running the whole thing, zooming in and out, whatever I'm working on. And that ability to zoom in and out is a cool thing about PyTest, but it's also a cool thing that PyCharm is um, is almost just as easy. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I like it. While we're on parameterizing, it would be really mm-hmm. cool if I could put spaces back in my ID identifiers. You know, I know some people. <laughs> yeah, it's an existing issue that somebody's working on, I think. To Ilya
1: does just amazing Just in the past year and a half, uh, some of the things that have appeared in the PyTest support of parameterized but also fixtures, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later, just things I wouldn't have even thought to ask that I use constantly and have made things so much easier for testing. Yeah,
0: um, so the space thing for me isn't that I'm putting spaces because I actually – we have a style guide at work to not put spaces in IDs. In identifiers and by identifier, you, there's PyTest as a way to. I know you know this, I'm telling everybody else to be able to put to identify an individual, add an extra string to it, put in it, identify a parameterization. So that string can be any string you want it to be for PyTest, but for PyCharm, the string cannot have a space in it because if it does you can run it just fine it reports just fine you just can't right click on it to rerun it if it fails i want to rerun it that's a it's an important mm. thing and so that's it's in this rerunning stuff is important enough to me that that's why it's part of our style guide and i've convinced but this zooming in and out is interesting that you bring it up because i thought well of course everybody would figure it out uh, first time I tried PyCharm and running tests with it, I'm trying all the different ways. I, I know there's different ways to mm-hmm. run it. I'll try everything, but I've, I've worked with people that figure out one way and then that's what they use all the time. The way that I've seen is for people that's very fairly common is to go up and to edit configurations and create a new configuration and run it that way. And like, that's so much clicking and typing. Why are you doing that? Well, because I want to run it. Oh, man. And you're making kind of a semi-permanent commitment. Well, yeah. And also one of the reasons was because people didn't know they didn't know about the um the global default configuration.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: and I can't blame yeah. them because it's yes. hidden.
1: That's well, that's my fault. I should be teaching that.
0: It shouldn't be so hard to get to. Just saying, yeah. that's right next. I mean, it, maybe it could be like right next to edit configurations is edit global configuration. I don't know, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, yeah. So that we have it since we're testing against instruments, you always have to tell Pytest via command line or our system via command line, which instrument we're talking to. If you haven't put it, your instrument name in the uh, the default, then, makes sense, then yeah. it won't show up if you just right-click on something. Even with that, it's still faster to right-click on it, run it, have it fail, and then edit mm-hmm. that configuration for me. But mm-hmm. anyway.
1: I wanted to uh, go on to one that's a little bit related to the thing we led with. You know, We talked about visual debugging. To put a pretty face on debugging to make it more accessible to beginners. Visual testing, same thing. People, beginners kind of get intimidated by testing. Let's put a visual face on it. Coverage. Yes. Another thing which kind of gets put in the pro slot. I'm not a pro. I shouldn't even have to think about this. But if you could put a visual face on coverage and make it feel more normal part of my workflow, then maybe more people would do coverage and that would be a good thing for humanity yes. to get kind of civilians to do coverage. First, do you buy that theory?
0: Yeah, I definitely think coverage should be um, understood very early on. And
1: so what well, again, and the I in IDE, we bring it into something that feels like everything else. You mentioned the button, you click on it and you can run a particular test you can run it under the debugger, but you can run it under the coverage tool. And we will generate several different UIs without you having to understand what it all means and give coverage reports, including gutter decorations showing you things that weren't covered. I personally find that I wouldn't be doing coverage if it wasn't visual coverage integrated in the tool. Really? Do you think there are more people like me? Probably. As you followed up your book and talking to people and stuff
0: like that, is coverage an edge topic still? I don't think so. I never really thought about or talk. I don't think I've talked with people about how they're using, like how they're running coverage. Mm -hmm. The, one of Mm -hmm. the things that comes up a lot is whether or not you should care about a hundred percent. And it's valid. I used to be on the side of, um, it's an interesting number and actually mm-hmm. less than 100% um, should tell you which code you can delete, mm-hmm. not which tests you're missing because you shouldn't have any missing tests. But I like dialed that back. I understand I working with more and more projects, having it. One of the things I like to see, like, for instance, I'm, I'm kind of picky. And when I'm working on open source projects, I will reluctantly work on a project if it doesn't already have 100% coverage because i want to be able to know when i add my my code that i can use coverage to make sure i've written enough written enough to, that isn't really true but it's an indicator that i've uh, at least written some tests that cover the code that i'm that i've written and coverage is useful that way but it i can't really use that if the the baseline is less than 100% Mm-hmm. for uh non open source projects i think the the line is different because it's uh it's not somebody jumping into a project and jumping out it's but it's a group of people living with a project for a long time lower numbers are fine but i do like the idea of being able to say what well our coverage numbers right now are like 89% so if our coverage goes below 89 the test suite will fail and those are cool.
1: Yeah, the what you're talking about, that that idea of some of these things, tests, coverage, et cetera, if you're working in open source and you have you want casual contributors, some of these things will give more confidence to the casual contributor and give more confidence to you in accepting the casual contributor. Alex Gainer this week wrote an article about scaling software development. He was going into the Going into the hot topic about strongly typed memory safe languages and things like that. Oh, I'm a C, I'm a competency developer. I don't need Rust. I don't need a language that helps me on memory issues. Well, what if you've got, and he talks about operating systems or browsers with tens of millions of lines of code and thousands of contributors, and someone walks up and wants to give you some code, you going to yeah, trust him? Yeah, them? no. You're going to trust that they know all the implications in those 10 million lines of code? So, some of these things, some of these practices that we would like to put in the hands of either beginner programmers or, in your case, a casual contributor to a project, if testing and coverage become more accessible and easier to do, then people will do them and it
0: will help scale development. Even this, I'm going to pick apart even my own statement the needs of an open source project where like you said, it's tons of code. You want to be able to have somebody jump in and from both sides, you want to be able to have somebody jump in, have confidence that they can make changes and they're not going to break the world. And then you also want to have confidence that their code isn't going to break the world. Actually, if it completely breaks everything, that's not a problem. You'll catch that right away. It's the thing that when they clean up some code and throw away a workaround that was important for some, corner case and broke 10% of the users, (laughs) but your test suite doesn't cover. That's one of the problems. Okay. So that's true. But the individual contributor of a internal company project, not an open source project, you still have issues where somebody walks up, some people leave, there's there's attrition, people retire, people come in. (laughs) Somebody new to a project is going to ramp up a lot easier if we have the same standards as an open source project.
1: How many companies out there have executives saying, "Oh my gosh, if this person, if she leaves, we're screwed." Yeah. Because it's the it's the one developer who has everything. If you in their like head. your
0: job, you want that to be true about yourself. If you don't like your yeah. job, you don't want that to be true. <laughs> I like having it coverage. I think actually integrating the coverage even having more options with coverage would be cool. It's mm-hmm. getting better with PyCharm. When I first interacted yeah. with it, the gutter colors I don't know if I just got a better laptop, which I did, but the gutter colors on some monitors are a little hard to read. contrast. Maybe it's a contrast thing, or maybe it's a, you know, there are people with red, green color blindness. So being able to optimize those or just old eyes, it'd be cool to be able to make that thicker. Or so I often run coverage outside of PyCharm because I personally like the red and the green to cover my entire screen. Like if you run uh, coverage, the norm, the HTML output for coverage will show you uh, Got it. all of it. So having that option would be cool to be able to do that. Okay,
1: that's a good point because the, the other option we have is that kind of tree that you drill down. and It shows you 97% of – 87% files and you keep drilling down. But having a, another visual way that shows you everything, would you want that to be kind of clickable too to –
0: what go zoom in? I don't and out. know. What would you click on
1: if you had like the HTML report and it said this sub package was 80% coverage and you click on that and you keep going down until you get to an actual module?
0: Yeah, definitely. Because I, I don't even consider that that might be an option within PyCharm, I just use it outside yeah. of PyCharm. Yeah. You have the tree though, right? Yeah, yeah. The tree does that same thing that I was just talking about, but
1: maybe you would want something that was a little more visual than the tree. Uh. We'll talk it. we'll talk about kind of that.
0: yeah and me and this would be this is definitely something that would be cool for a contrast uh, demo instead of talking about it on a podcast yeah, but yeah, yeah but you yeah. know yeah, that's okay, so in general, I'm interested in the
1: theme of making some of these quote unquote professional topics in programming more accessible to beginners and civilians, uh, whether it's debugging, testing, coverage, whatever. Yeah,
0: and then so while we're on, I guess, the same one of the other tools that you guys have integrated really well is the uh, profiling. Right, right. I should use that more than I do, honestly.
1: I, frankly, I use it in combination with testing. You know, I, I right click and I run my test suites and it says, would you like to run another profiler? Why? Sure. That's exactly what I'd like <laughs> to
0: do. But I think we're definitely moving in the right direction with... um making it easier. So you brought up, I was looking at our list of things that we possibly could talk about. Mm -hmm. The flipping back and forth between tests and code, I don't Mm -hmm. really do that and because I don't really have, I don't think of a function as a unit. I think of a behavior Mm -hmm. or a feature Mm -hmm. as a unit. So I'm not a a London school of uh, TDD person and so I do you use that jumping back and forth between a code and the test for for a function
1: 100 really okay yeah
0: certainly when I'm
1: creating okay you know whatever it is that I'm working on is the thing I put on the left and whatever I'm testing I put the test code on the right and then I put the test output at the bottom and that kind of left right bottom thing is the way to hack my brain into TDD mode when I see it. You know, I kind of get a, a warm feeling that I'm enter, I'm entering managed code zone okay. and uh, I'm working correctly and staying in the flow and all that kind
0: of stuff. So just the um, visualization of it helps me. So if I look at like I just have a function, if I got a function somewhere and I right click on mm-hmm. it, I can go to generate and I can generate a test. And it, luckily it mm-hmm. asks me where I want to put it. it doesn't just say mm-hmm. it's going to go anywhere this is a leftover for something else right i mean I... no no actually we we don't promote it as
1: much as we should but you can be sitting in a code and say to pycharm navigate to the test for this code and pycharm will say yep found it or it will say didn't find it. Do you want us to generate a skeleton test for you? Do, and that's what you're talking about now. How does it know
0: which test is for it? Is there a naming thing? If you are you supposed to name a test the same as the function with? Pre- you go into Slack and you ask Ilya, what
1: are the magic rules for how? <laughs> the, no, the names, the name. It's all about the name.
0: Okay, so if I've got like foo, the test for it would be test foo
1: and module and stuff like that. It's actually a place where organizing into classes helps. <laughs> so that you don't have to keep repeating that junk over and over and over. You can just jump to a class for that unit and then the met the tests in that class are all the variations that you're trying to do on that. Yeah. Okay. So the the <laughs> You're never going to do I'm that, never gonna so do I that. just Wait. These ca- you're going to cut No,
0: no, pie. that's fine. I like I like uh, <laughs> I like different styles. I'm just a, I'm yep. from the behavior side. So my my behaviors sure. are not they are implemented by my functions, but they're not they mm-hmm. are my functions. Also, certainly the pytest community has embraced
1: organize your tests as functions in modules. And if you need to group them, group them in a module.
0: Yeah. If you need another grouping, group those modules into a directory. And, in my personal projects, I have no problem with throwing testing classes. I, te- I put tests within classes if, mostly if I need to group a set of tests with their fixture, at a, I don't know, mostly if it's just easier for some reason to group things together. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's an easier way to call things. So you can just say, I want to run all these tests within together. So throwing them in a class is trivial. So why not? Yeah. So that's good. But then I have to put self in front of everything. Self as a parameter. Luckily, with, within PyCharm, yeah. it just does that for you. Yeah, the other yeah. thing that I'm I'm having trouble being convinced of, and I'm probably never going to get there, is the BDD cucumber stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Automation Panda is a proponent of, uh, <laughs> of of BDD, and I actually really love the concept of behavior devel- driven development and the notion of thinking in terms of behaviors and in thinking of terms of given when then. That's a model that I use. I just don't use Mm -hmm. the syntax. But PyTerm Mm -hmm. does support the BDD, right? Indeed, in a pretty cool way that whether it's Cucumber or
1: PyTest BDD, what you're describing, I think the thing that you bounce off of is there's going to be this semantic, semantic abstraction between me and my tests. There's going to be these... Scenario things that you write in an English like language with special symbols and the structure of that kind of outline thing matches the structure of the tests that get implemented from it. And so PyCharm does a pretty interesting job of helping that structure that maps between the scenarios you're writing and the actual tests and navigating back and forth between them and refactor renaming and giving you squigglies when things are out of sync between those two artifacts. Really? Okay. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's been around for quite a while, too. Yeah. wouldn't surprise me if there might be a few bugs on it. It doesn't get as much usage as the normal stuff, but the idea is pretty sound. Let the IDE almost put a UI on the BDD
0: side. Yeah. I'm not opposed to the Cucumber syntax, I just uh, it isn't going to help me at all, so uh, it doesn't anything for me. I'm also think it's sort of one of the ideas was it's human readable, therefore stakeholders and managers and stuff can read it and write it, and it'll be easier. But whenever I've seen it in practice it's still a bunch of test engineers writing it and reading it. It's one of those things that should be true, but yeah, isn't Yeah, so at that point, if you've got the same test engineers reading it and writing it and writing the scaffolding underneath, why not just write tests? It does yeah. help you think about the structure a little bit. Now, mm-hmm. one of the things mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in my on my to-do list is to do more web-like stuff, like uh, Flask and Django and Pyramid and things like yeah. that. When right I'm enough. testing something like that, it's a different world than just testing pure Python stuff because I've got probably uh, JavaScript stuff to, that, to think about. Mm-hmm. So what's the story with that and PyCharm and testing and stuff? Can I? Is it a similar sort of thing? Can I run my JavaScript tests and other stuff? that way? PyCharm Professional
1: Bundles WebStorm, our uh, ID for web development. Okay, And the WebStorm team, my goodness, they're great. They, they're they keeping up with the insanity of JavaScript so you don't have to. And the neat part is PyCharm's PyTest support, unit test support, et cetera, uh, knows whatever. It all shares this machinery from the IntelliJ IDEA platform where the test running is done by a component and all of these different things feed information to that component and so that component is shared on the javascript side as well so whether it's karma or whether which is uh, the angular test runner or whether it's jest which is kind of the react test runner or mocha any of the supported test runners will use that back in but more importantly from your perspective brian It's the same UI. It will look exactly familiar. The same shortcuts. You will think you're sitting in a Python test when you're running. Wonderful. Okay, great. You can walk up to a single Jest test and right-click
0: on it and run just this. Okay. So uh, how's Jest? Is it? uh, I haven't learned it yet. Are you comfortable Mm -hmm. with it? Uh,
1: Crazy comfortable. I'm saying that with a look of remorse. (laughs) Okay. I do a course on React and TypeScript and TDD, oh, really? where I teach people doing React, but I I get them to throw away their browser and learn all of these concepts using testing. Oh, nice, cool! And testing the output so that you're not always switching over to the browser and hitting reload and trying to remember where you were.
0: I'll have to check that out. One yeah. of the things I we did we sort of skipped because it was an issue and then it wasn't an issue and everybody's Mm -hmm. just happy with it is the fixture support within PyCharm is excellent. Mm -hmm. So people that say the only thing that I've heard before from people from why they don't like PyTest is that they've probably faced a test suite with that uses, uses a lot of fixtures and they don't really know how to find where they are. Now PyTest itself has ways to, to display where the where the fixtures live, um, there's command line flags, and if you want to know more about those, right. I've got a book for you. <laughs> but there's um, Pycharm added that a long time ago, and you can just right right click on a fixture; it takes you to the code. The navigation is built in, the typing is built in, the autocomplete is it just sort of works just like another function now. And um, thank you, I guess whoever fixed that, thank you.
1: That was also Ilya and. You and I have talked about this before. You know what, Brian? Things are hard. <laughs> you know what's the hardest stuff? The simple stuff. The simple stuff is the hardest stuff. And people file a ticket like, oh, could you do this? It's so simple. And that's like the red flag what's... for you have no idea how much iceberg is under the water on that thing. Yeah. And the fixture stuff is a really powerful part of pie test. And it can get pretty fiddly. And uh, he did a really good job of thinking, rethinking re re rethinking shipping it finding some of the breakage fixing that finding the next kinds of things so it's pretty mature and i can't i mean i really really rely on that it's so comforting to get something from a fixture and just being able to command hover on it and see the type inference and say oh yeah that's what i got
0: yeah Yeah, it's so great. I'm telling people all the time how to use it. And then they forget that it's a problem because it just works.
1: Yeah. And even on some things where you're like, okay, smarty pants pie charm, I'll bet you can't. Oh, wait, you can do that too. Like the fixture fixtures where, you know, you can ask for something and there's kind of the chain of its dependencies might come from something else and stuff like that. And you're like, how did you follow that path (laughs) to get to get all the right yeah. things.
0: Yeah, and th- th- I really appreciate it, and I love it. And most of the things we talked about today are just in the free version as well.
1: Uh, yeah, the things that aren't would be the coverage and profiling stuff. Yeah. And we haven't talked about multiprocessing yet, but the multiprocessing
0: part is in professional. Oh, yeah. Let's just bring it up quickly. What sure. is the multiprocessing thing?
1: Sometimes you want to speed up your tests by running them across multiple cores, PyTest, you're, it's not even a plugin anymore, right? It's in Pytest, right? Uh, yeah. Well, is it Xdist? Is that what you're using? No, you're right. You're right. It is still a plugin, but we put a friendly UI on that, saying to in the run config, and then again another fiddly thing in the visualization of your tests as they're running and how much their elapsed time is. You're going to l- want to let the the developer know. Well, she's got three cores that are being used on this. And this one took that amount of time, and that one took the other amount of time, and the aggregate amount of time was this, and this is the
0: one that failed and all that other oh, stuff. So, so we we put a pretty good UI. I on. didn't even know it was there. So if I if I look at my run configuration, up in the right-hand corner, there's an allow parallel run checkbox. Is that yep. what we're
1: talking about? Yeah, you were, you and I were talking at the top about stuff's in run configurations. that's not always visible. Okay, well, <laughs> cool.
0: I'll have to try that out more. Yeah. This probably isn't easy then. When when you're running the, when it's filling out the tree and things are running in parallel, does it populate the tree in parallel then? Yeah. Wow. As things come in, yeah. Okay, that's neat. I'll have to try that out. Not while we're we're talking, I say as I'm trying to do it right now. (laughs) But I'm excited about that. Let me close out one point while you're clicking. Uh, Let me close out
1: one point on the fixture stuff. It's also true on the parameterize. Is refactor rename. What? You refactor rename to rename something and find everything in the project that uses it and gives it the new symbol name. So if you want to change the name of a fixture, which is a pretty common thing to do, as you're writing your tests and as you're abstracting things out, you learn more about the problem. But then you're like, I don't know all the tests that use it and all the other fixtures that might depend on it. Wouldn't it be nice if... There was a tool that knew where all the bodies were buried and fixed everything for me. So being able to walk up to a fixture, either usage of a fixture or in definition of a fixture in changing its name and having everything get reflected is a pretty cool thing. Yeah. And then if you change your mind, you hit undo and it rolls back all of those changes.
0: That's cool. Well, so it, PyTest also allows you to have a different name for a fixture than is the name of the function. Right. Does PyCharm deal with that okay?
1: Of course, yeah. Yeah,
0: it does. That must have been annoying for the implementation. (laughs) The simplest things the hardest, right? Oh, yeah. We forgot about named fixtures. I want to tell everybody, PyCharm does sponsor testing code. Mm -hmm. I'm not using PyCharm because they're a sponsor of the show. They're a sponsor because I'm asked for it after using it for a long time.
1: In a larger sense, this discussion, maybe it is a lot about PyCharm, but it is about IDEs and how can your tool do more for you rather than less. Yeah. And there are people who want less, and there are people who want very lean environments and i get that but there are also people who want assistance and people who want if i spend a little time learning this i'll get 10x productivity
0: gain okay and and i'm just going to be honest about it there's vs code is a pretty cool editor and oh, yeah. i really like a lot of the people on the team there's going to be people that come to come to testing that are already Embedded in the VS Code world or other another editor, and so having the test capabilities of other other editors, I'd like them to to be up there with as good as you guys. That what you're saying is true. Is um, it's not just about PyCharm; it's about IDs. Indeed, so, and it would be great to see new thinking, new
1: ways to make these practices more accessible. And I've known a lot of those guys for like two decades. Yeah good i consider them good friends exceptionally smart people and they're going to do some brilliant things that move the state of the art forward so this a lot of the talk that i'm about is ides in general yeah. as a way to give a visual palette for to put things within reach that previously were out of reach
0: yeah and bringing bringing it if we make it all easier brings more new people to testing sooner in their programming life yep. you know I've worked with um, people that do training courses and stuff, and uh, it's been helpful to have testing as early as possible and one of the things I like to I like is this model of not teaching people to write tests right away, but having tests in place to help them they're like the guide what are those things on the the gutter walls and when you go bowling they're like, like those yeah. uh, to keep people on the right track while they're learning yeah. how to code, once they've f- kind of figured out their code, they have these, they can look at the implementation of the test and go, hey, wait a second. These things really help me a lot. Now, how do I write these? So, Right, right. Yeah. You're giving them confidence, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. So it's cool. Hey, um, we're running long. Like everybody that I talk to, I could probably talk about this sort of testing for hours, but we should wrap it up. Any closing thoughts? You're going to be doing any podcasts at PyCon? Yeah. Well, I'm going to do lots of interviews. And I last right. year, I did the thing where I just walked around on opening night and just that sort of brilliant. talked with people. I want to do at least one of those. I might do more because it was just so fun. So, yeah, we'll see. So I'll send out an encouragement.
1: If you're going to PyCon, look for Brian. If he's got his microphone, chase him down, get your voice heard. And share some ideas on this topic of uh, bringing testing to the masses. The world of Python is getting a huge influx of new programmers. Let's find ways to get them to work with confidence from the beginning. Yes,
0: definitely. Thanks. Good place to leave it. Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you very much, Brian. Thank you for writing that book. I know you probably hated it, wished you would have never said that you were going to do it until it was done, and then you were thrilled.
0: But it made a big difference with me. I I'm glad it. you liked it. I loved writing it. So yeah, no no negatives there. So thanks. Thank you, Paul, for that interview. As you can tell, we recorded that interview before the news that PyCon was not going to happen. As I was doing the final edits to this episode, I had just found out that I knew that PyCon was not happening, but I had just got the email um, that it really was not postponed but canceled. And I considered cutting that that discussion out of the end, but I decided to leave it in. Um, It does make me sad, but the Python community has been amazing, and I cherish the memories of PyCon's past and meeting so many amazing people and building genuine friendships. I know we will get back to in-person conferences in the future, but in the meantime, we have to do what we can to keep this community alive. I hope that you will stay safe and practice in real life social distancing, but don't practice online social distancing. We need each other. I need you, definitely. I am working from home now, so I have saved commute time and have more, more time spots open for recording. So I'll be here. If you want to talk, reach out. Go to testandcode.com. There's a menu item for Be A Guest. Check that out and get in touch with me. And if you're just missing the water cooler or break room or kombucha keg conversations, if you're at a hipster company, check out the Slack channel and join the community there. That's all for now. Now go out and test something.